It's something for nothing. The Rush fan cast, Jerry and Steve with you. Jerry, I feel like Lex is cheating on Getty. What do you mean by that? Well, he's playing these tunes from Alex's Victor album. Today, I Am the Spirit, which sounds amazing, but it's not a Getty bass line. He's kind of cheating on Getty. Oh, well, maybe you should fire him. <laughs> I would never fire Lex. I'd never fire Lex. Just reprimand him. That's all. Right. I mean, you can't fire somebody you, you don't pay or have never hired. <laughs> you asked a favor for It's not really firing. You can find us on Twitter. We are at RushFanCast. Instagram, find us at TheRushCast. Email Jerry, TheRushCast at gmail.com. As I mentioned, Lex provided the baseline for today's episode. I am the spirit. Brilliant as always. Follow or subscribe via your favorite podcast app. And Jer, here you have an email to get us started. I do. This is from Robert. What's up, Robert? He said, I just listened to your live Grace Under Pressure podcast. I think we can all agree, not their best live production, but certainly enjoyable to listen to. I don't think we had that takeaway, did we, that it was uh, the production was bad on that? You know, not the greatest. It's not as good as different stages, let's say. I think that's all he's saying. Yeah, that's true. It just made me reminisce about my live Rush shows. I certainly wasn't one who did 50-plus shows during their career, but at least a dozen. But we made each one count. My first show was outside D.C. for Permanent Waves and then for consecutive shows again at the Cap Center for Moving Pictures in 1981. By then, I am knee-deep into this movement. Next up was Signals, 1982, same venue. What I remember most was my best friend, who is a fantastic artist who never took that talent to another level, took a bed sheet with two hockey sticks and began to draw the inside liner of signals of the thermal image of the three band members. Incredible. He won either WAVA or WWDC FM 101 for best banner in the parking lot. I just vividly remember having the trunk open with that banner erect in the back and listening to Countdown. And I asked him if he had a photo of that bed sheet, but he, he didn't oh. have a photo of it for us. I'm sure, as we all did, we took a break from the band and then for some reason began to covet them as they were winding down. The last two shows I remember going to see was in September 2012. I took my wife all the way across the country for a rush Napa Valley weekend in San Jose. I had a meet and greet for that show until we land in San Francisco and I get a call that says our meet and greet was canceled. So for the next couple of nights, I am on the phone, ruining our vacation as my wife was practically eating dinner alone while I was on the phone, trying to figure out what happened. For a consolation prize, the ticket broker somehow got me Neil's drumsticks and had a roadie hand deliver these sticks to our seats. And then, of course, R40, the same ticket broker out of New York City, gave me his seats at the Prudential Center, stage right, two sections over, five rows up. The hospitality for these ticket holders under the concourse was ridiculous. A full buffet of lobster tails, shrimp, open bar, you name it. And the last highlight was a guy sitting in front of me with his 1982 Signals baseball three-quarter shirt and then losing it came on. I tap him on the shoulder and said, do you believe they're playing this? And he absolutely goes apeshit. Those are my memories of quite possibly the best band live performances of our generation. But then again, aren't we totally biased about that? And that was from Robert. Robert, number one, thank you. Number two, yes, we're totally biased about that. And number three, we've never talked about this, Jared, but Rush fans always had the best banners, didn't they? Yeah, they always did. A lot of work went into many of them. 
I wonder if any of our listeners still have their banners from the shows that they could send us pictures of. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. I'll put them on Instagram and the Twitter. Send them to us at therushcast at gmail.com. So, Jared, today we're talking about side two of Victor. That's right. Alex Lifeson's solo record. And we never talked about the album art last week, Jared, so I think we should. That's true. Yes, let's. I've got a quote from an article called An Introduction to Andrew McNaughton, who is the designer of this album cover. This is from yes. Trinet, December 2002. He is the longtime band photographer, I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. Andrew photographed Alex in a number of different ways, wearing makeup, with water on his face, darkening his eyes, aging his face, etc. He then painstakingly hand-cut each photo and finally put Alex's face back together like a puzzle. At one point, a coffee cup was inadvertently placed on one of the photos, <laughs> leaving behind its mark, which you can see in the upper right-hand corner here. That's right. Then Andrew said the hell with it and took a cigarette and burned a mark on another of the photos. So you can see that burn mark there too. Yes. That's pretty cool. This is a great album cover, don't you think? It is a great album cover, and it really fits with the disjointed nature of all of the songs too, right? Yeah, it's perfect. Different parts of Alex in different different states for the album cover and for the songs inside. Indeed. So we're going to get back into those songs, Jer, and the first one is Sending Out a Warning. Nothing seems to work. What's he got to prove? There was just like any war. So, Jar, I've got a quote from Alex Lifeson. This is from Rockline, January 15th, 1996, about Edwin. Okay. Whose vocals you can hear on Sending Out a Warning. I, Mother Earth, opened the last show that we did on the last tour, which was here in Toronto. Although I didn't get a chance to meet Edwin that night, I met some of the other guys in the band. And when it came time to think about vocalists for Victor, I had to listen to their CD, and I thought that Edwin would really suit the material well. He just had a certain quality and a menace in his voice. I called him up, and he said, I'd love to give it a whirl. We got together, and we've become quite good friends. I think he's done just a fabulous job on it. I thought it was great. And um, another example of that is this song, Jared, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I, I really like this song. It's a kooky little tune, though, isn't it? It's a kooky little tune, but I find this one of the most radio-friendly songs on the record, even though it's a little kooky. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. Did you, you mentioned the singles that were released from this, right? Right, and this was not released as a single, which I was surprised at. I feel like it could fit in an active rock sort of format, right, as a single, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I really love the riff of this song. It's, it's a pretty funky guitar riff. Yeah. And it's in an odd time signature, don't you think? 
I'm assuming. <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't count it out. It definitely feels like it's in an odd time signature. That's for sure. It feels disjointed, right? Yeah, it feels a little uh, teeter-totter at times. I was looking for the sheet music for this online and came up completely empty. <laughs> really? You know, so I could look at the time signature and see what it was. Right. But I guess sending out a warning from Victor isn't top of mind for sheet music makers. You don't think uh, <laughs> Mel Bay has a Victor book out? <laughs> Mel Bay? <laughs> <laughs> right? And Mel oh, Bay, yeah, they, sure, they sure. put out those, uh, all those uh, music books. Sure, of course. So the lyrics for this song, Jared, do you think these are autobiographical in any way, shape, or form? I don't know. I mean, it seems to me like sending out a warning is this person, whoever the song is about, is sending a warning to other people in their life. Is that what you're getting from this song? I'm not sure what I'm getting from this song. It almost sounds like another relationship song to me. Yeah, but it sounds sounds like like I'm sending out a warning, or this other person is sending out a warning. Don't come near me. This is like you know, like a frill necked lizard kind of <laughs> rearing up and putting its little things out, being like, I don't know if you want to do this. This is not a good idea. Why don't we read through a couple of these? Tender is the nerve that leads straight to his heart. Sender sends the spit that streams down his face. <laughs> right. Now we know that the nerve is his nerve, right? So is the sender a female? Do you think? His sender is yeah, this is another person, right? Who doesn't doesn't uh, I don't know, like what he just said, or I don't I don't know what what uh, nerve was struck to cause another person to spit in his face. Want and need are just two useless words. The third, if she knew it, would be grace. So this kind of <laughs> Tells us that the other person is a she, right? Yes. And grace is a, a word that she doesn't know the meaning of or is just a useless word to her. Right, right. Her grip is as tight as a vice, smothers like a killer, stealing someone's life. His guilt controls his every move. Nothing seems to work. What's he got to prove? Their war was just like any other war. All the pain for nothing double-bladed sword right that's a good line yeah their war is just like any other war all the pain for nothing so true it is so true and uh relationship wise these two people should not be together that's what i'm getting from this song so this isn't autobiographical then most likely you know like i've said about other songs on side one i hope not Maybe these feelings arise every once in a while, but I certainly hope that they're not the, the overriding sentiment in relationships. So deep, deep down, these words have come from Alex. Right. Sending out a warning, sending out a warning. He's on the edge. Everything is up or down. She's in his face. He feels like he may drown. Relentless is the scope of her revenge. She'll give, then take then push him off the ledge. Wow. Yeah. This is not a, a very uh, positive painting of someone else, <laughs> right? No, it's not. This is a very ungenerous description. Let's put it that way. Yeah, but this is just a, a dark, dark record like we were talking about last week. Very dark. Yeah, very dark. And the, I think that, you know, when the chorus comes around, 
the drums are really good in this mm-hmm. song. I mean, we haven't really talked about the other players on this album yeah. that much. Blake Manning is the drummer. He is great. Yeah, he's great on this album. Fantastic, especially here. He really shines. And again, no traditional solo on this song. Not needed. Not needed. I mean, the whole riff is kind of a solo. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's such a it's such a funky kind of riff. I'm not sure what kind of solo you would play over a riff like that. You know what I mean? It's like a solo in itself. But like we always say, other guitarists would do a solo anyway, even if it wasn't necessary. You know, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Just to show off. And Alex isn't that type of player. Doesn't feel the need no. to show off. He's serving the song like he always does. That's right. But just another great track on this record. Yeah. There's um, one more section at the end, lyric wise. Mm-hmm. She's gone too far. He knows her subtle tricks. He's tried too hard. There are some things you can't fix. Cross too many lines. Be prepared to pay the price. All the warmth you knew will forever turn to ice. Wow. Yeah. These people do not get along <laughs> for whatever reason. And I think it's got to be somebody else in Alex's mind, this couple, not Alex and Charlene. Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, when we were talking to uh, Patty Prashela, she said in some of her songs, she has to just let her feelings out, whether or not she thinks she should be having those feelings anyway. Right. Right. So if I, I think we can all appreciate a moment or two where you're just like, oh, <laughs> with someone else. It doesn't have to be, you know, right. your partner or whatever, just somebody else. She's like, I want to kill this person right now. But it's one thing to have those thoughts in your head and just have them in your head. And we all have those thoughts, but to actually put them into words and turn them into a song, that's quite different. It is. But, you know, you have to be honest with yourself if you're an artist. It's hard to do. People around you have to accept that about you, too. And this is a very honest album, and it leads us to the next song, which is a very honest song, I think. Don't you? Right. Yes. Shut up, shutting up. Do you find that he always wants attention? Let's always him, 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 him. Constant attention. I can't attention. take it. He comes home and wants me to harass him and to like, tell him how great he is. And this I and love you. I love you. You're the best. the songs on this album that ever stuck with me this is the one that always stuck with me this is the one you remember this is the one i remember the most and i love that i have the lyrics here you know i I pulled up (laughs) these lyrics and i i didn't know they were put in writing anywhere and here they are uh this is from cygnusx1.net our buddy john petuto put these up and just just great Charlene and Esther. I'm not sure who Esther is, but Charlene is Alex's wife. And I guess Esther probably is a friend of hers. I tried to look it up. I couldn't find anything who Esther was. I don't know if we should read all these, but they're very long. They are very funny. I'm curious if these were scripted, if, if they wrote them down beforehand or if they just kind of went off the top of their heads. I'm going to guess that they just went off the top of their heads. It must've been hours. 
Yeah. Just complaining. And you know, uh, you know, most of this I'm sure is hundred percent true. Again, if you're talking about honesty, right? Right. In songs, they were just like, listen, just complain about us. Just complain about us. Yeah. All the stupid stuff we do. Oh my God. They're only good for one thing. And we know what that is. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. <laughs> It's so funny. Oh, and man. of course, shut up, shutting up is something that Yosemite Sam would say all the time, right? The Warner Brothers cartoon that I think of with shut up, shutting up is, I looked it up. It's a classic cartoon called Bugs and Thugs, 1954. Do you remember this one where they take Muggsy and they put him in the oven? Bugs Bunny puts Muggsy in the oven oh, and yeah, Muggsy's talking to Bugs and he says, Shed up, shed nap. <laughs> That's what I think of. Did Yosemite Sam say it too? Or am I just like, is this like a Mandela effect right you here? You could be misremembering it, but I'm going to pull the audio from this cartoon and play it here. Okay. See if it refreshes your memory. Through winding roads, past the green meadows and down shady lanes. Shed up. Shut up! Why, sweet me! You don't think I'm the kind that would keep blabbing? Some people never know when to stop. When I'm told to shut up, I shut up! Shut up, shutting up. Would I throw this match in here if my friend Muggsy was (laughs) in there? (laughs) You know, I haven't watched Bugs Bunny cartoons in a long time, and I used to be addicted to Bugs Bunny cartoons. I wonder if they still hold up. You think they're still funny? Oh, they're still hilarious. Oh, okay, good. But, you know, some may be considered racist now, I would think. Well, not considered. (laughs) Definitely are. (laughs) By any generous definition, absolutely, 100%. Yeah, so you're not going to see them on TV anymore, but they're still funny if you put that other stuff aside. Yeah. I don't know why I'm thinking of Yosemite Sam. Hmm. It's possible. It's possible. But it's just the music underneath this song underneath the lyrics is great alex is killing it the entire time the bass player i looked up is a guy named pete cardinale Mm -hmm. and he he was in funkadelic really yeah wow so he's killing it the whole the whole song is just great it's definitely a a nice bed of music for this kind of weird yeah spoken word it's just a fantastic song The, the lyrics never get old for me you know they're funny but mm-hmm. it's not like a, a thing where I'm just like, it's funny a couple of times, like maybe a Weird Al song. Right, right. Weird Al to me. I love Weird Al. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, I'm not breaking out Weird Al albums and listening to right. them all the time. You know what I mean? Right. As opposed to like, They Might Be Giants. Some of those songs are hilarious, but they're so well written. I listen to them all the time. Right. And they never lose their humor. And this is one of those songs for me. It's never not funny when I listen to it. Yeah, it's still funny. And Bill Bell, the guitarist, plays an Ebo and a wah guitar on this track. What's an Ebo? I don't know. I'm guessing it's a, <laughs> I'm guessing it's a guitar slash violin type thing. Maybe. Oh, sure. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I should look it up. Maybe I should look it up, but I'm not going to. I'll have somebody else. I'll have one of our underlings look it up. <laughs> they can come back later and tell us. Our executive assistant. We really have to get some underlings, Joe. That's what we have to do. We do. We need some underlings, some overlings. We need some links. But Alex's solo on this is just just incredible. And I, I just love when the women say, ah, shut up and play the guitar. And Alex just <laughs> yeah. goes off, you know? <laughs> right. And then the best part, of course, is the end when Alex just 
gets fed up and just says, shut up. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's such a fun song. Oh, it really man. is. And so Alex, I mean, this, this song screams Alex Lifeson in every way, shape and form. Right. It does. I think. And it's nice to know that his wife also has a great sense of humor. Oh, sure. And you can see why they've been together so long. Right. Track eight on Victor Jer is Strip and Go Naked. got two quotes jer on strip and go naked okay this is from eric hansen's 2112.net he compiled these quotes the first one is from jam music february 8th 1996 there's a drink that guitarist bill bell invented called strip and go naked which after you've had a couple that basically is what happens (laughs) on the other side we thought that was kind of what the song was about we stripped the whole song down to the very basic elements it goes through a lot of different changes musically, but it's basically stripped down. And quote two is from Access, January and February 1996. Strip was more of an exercise because it's going to be for this guitar CD, which is part two of the Guitars That Rule the World album, set for release in the spring of 1996. We have to track this down, huh? Yeah, really. Bill and I talked about it. And we decided to get as many elements as possible into the song. Start off with some 12-string acoustic and use some electric, and then some bottleneck so it takes it to a bluesy sort of thing from a folky Celtic thing, and then into this soaring guitar line. We just wanted to create a lot of different textures and levels. It's really honest and pure, and it came very quickly. We basically wrote and recorded it in one day. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful instrumental. It has kind of a Western flavor to it. For me at the beginning what do you think uh, yeah i think that's the like the bottleneck kind of guitar like the slide type of thing right but then it gets heavy it gets a little heavy at the end yeah no it's a it's a fantastic instrumental that's great something like this would fit right in on the envy of none record we're going to hear very shortly yeah i think so i know that uh there is i guess alex is doing a song dedicated to neil yes on that album so I think it's more acoustic-y. I don't mm-hmm. know what it, exactly. I think it's called Western Sunset. Yes, which is a great title for a song 
dedicated to Neil for sure. Yeah. So we'll see how that sounds. Um, but yeah, it's a great instrumental, but you know, like every other song on this album, it seems it's, it's like a, a song from a different record, which is good. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's just so eclectic, the stuff that's on this album. Yeah. It's all different. It's all different. And it's all amazing. And it's definitely, I, I get a, um, kind of like a movie soundtrack vibe. Yes. From this song. Yep. Very much cinematic and spaces. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of the two instrumental tracks we heard from Alex on his website earlier this year, which of course are being transformed into envy of none songs. Right. That's true. Yeah. So speaking of completely different, the next track, Jer, is completely different. It's called the big dance. got a quote here jer from the same article we've been reading off power windows and alex was asked about les claypool and if there was any compromise working with him not at all because i was in charge of the whole thing when les came up he played on the big dance originally when i talked to les i was going to get him to play on the whole record primus were finishing up their record at the time they were getting ready to start a tour so les said man if i could find the time send me the stuff i'll work on it I'll come up and we'll do it. Once I started putting things together at the demo stage and I started recording, I had to put a guide bass line on it. And I said, man, this is kind of fun. I think I'll play bass. So I ended up doing that, but I always reserved the big dance for Les. Les came up and he was no different from any other musician on the project. I was very clear and specific about what I wanted. I knew Les would take the song a little outside and that's what I really wanted for the song. So it was just a matter of using his style for flavoring on the music I already had in my head. So as long as the direction was clear, there was no compromise involved. And at the end of the day, I could always say, I'm sorry, but I don't like it. And of course, Alex never said that. He he (laughs) loved it, of course, because it's Les Claypool for crying out loud. Yeah, I'm constantly amazed at how Les Claypool plays at all. You know what I mean? His style is so bizarre. He's so bizarre. This bass playing is so bizarre. And you can hear it on this track. I mean, it's very yeah. Primus-like at the beginning, I think. Don't you? Yeah, absolutely. But again, it's it kind of, if you didn't know that it was Les, you, I don't think that you would say, oh, that's Les Claypool. You know what I mean? Everybody just kind of plays the song because it's a song. He takes it in his own direction. Mm-hmm. Like Alex said, he you know went to the outside. But, you know, he doesn't take over the song. It's not like this is, you know. No. 
featuring Les Claypool type of thing where he gets his own little space. He's, this is, he works in the song and it sounds great. But Blake Manning and Les together on this song are yeah. just incredible. Incredible. Yeah. This has, this is, gets really heavy. Oh yeah. And that's what I mean. It sounds Primus like it sounds like one of those heavy Primus songs, you know? Yeah. Where it's just drums and bass in your face. Yeah. Uh, but groovy as well. Yes. Always groovy. Yes. Yes. And, and how could it not be with less on bass, right? Yeah. So the lyrics to this one, Jer, written from the perspective of a young man, I'm thinking, what do you think? I think this is a person who may or may not be what you would call a gigolo. That's my thought. Okay. A man for hire, let's say. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Again, probably not autobiographical. But yeah, I don't, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's say it's not, let's say if that's, <laughs> <laughs> let's say Alex wasn't in that kind of entertainment. Okay. Right. All right. His whole life. I've been so many places and always left my mark. I've kissed so many faces, lips smooth, just like a shark. I have no friends. I hope that's understood. I take what I can take when the taking's good. It's not for love, but I'll gladly take your money, which. That's the gigolo part. Right, right. I can pretend to be so sad or funny. You'll just love the way I move when I dance. My young hips, they know how to entrance. Mm, Never mind him. He's not here now. It's really not my problem anyhow. You know, I think you're right, Jer. Yeah, because uh, never mind him. He's not here now would be. Your husband, maybe. Yeah, your husband or your boyfriend or whatever. Mm-hmm. You've hired me now. Focus right. on me. The thing I like about the the line, lips smooth just like a shark, because shark skin is smooth if you rub it one way. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? If you go with the grain, I suppose. Against the grain, it'll cut you up like a razor. Right. So that's just an interesting little description. Could it be someone like a, a Chippendales kind of dancer? The big dance? Uh, it could be. I was just thinking that the big dance is just the, you know. Oh, gotcha. Dancing around the dancing around the truth or dancing around the actual exchange that's taking place, pretending it's something that it isn't until it's over and money has to be exchanged. So not actually dancing necessarily. Well, he does say he's he's he, he does dance to entrance, right? My young hips, they know how to entrance. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe when he's on the dance floor, I don't know, someplace else. An angel of love to you is what I'll appear. Your lonely ache, I can make disappear. I don't know if I want to read anymore. You don't want to read the next couple of lines, (laughs) but say, let's just, let's just say that it, it reinforces the theme that I'm going for with this song. Yeah, I'm not going to read anymore. I'm not going to read anymore. <laughs> but but overall, this is a great track, and I love it. Yeah, it it has a great like metal groove to it. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes metal songs, you know, people who don't like heavy metal, there is a, so many different types of metal, and some metal is just bombastic. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is groovy. You know what I mean? Yeah, just groovy, like um, Sabbath. Some Sabbath songs are just groovy, even though they're heavy as hell, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is a this is this is a groovy tune. So what do you think this record would have sounded like if Les played on the whole record? How different do you think it would have Oof, sounded? I don't know. Who knows? 
He's such a signature player. Yeah. Do you think he might have overtaken it a little bit? And no, I don't. I don't know if he would have though, because you know, like Alex said, he was you know in control of the project, and he could always say no. Well, he's a pro. Les is a pro. Les is a pro. Yeah. I guess what I'm really trying to say is, do you think it would have been just too much less? You know what I'm saying? And taken away from what Alex was doing, not 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 deliberately, just because he's so great, would it have taken away from what Alex is doing? That, I guess that's the question I'm asking. I, I don't know. We'll have to try to get into a, a different universe and see that album where Les played on every song. Well, something else that takes us to a different universe, I think, is this next track, Jer. It's called Victor. and said don't dishonor the family name Victor looked up at his father and looked up with big round eyes his father said Victor my only son don't you ever ever tell lies it was a frosty December it wasn't the season for fruits his father fell dead of heart disease while lacing up his boots it was a frosty December when into his grave he sang his uncle found Victor and post as cashier at the Midland County's bank. It was a frosty December, Victor was only 18, but his figures were neat and his margins straight and his cups were always clean. He took a room at the Patmoral, a respectable boarding house. Time watched Victor day after day as a cat will watch a mouse. Victor went up to his bedroom, set the alarm bell, climbed into bed with his Bible and read of what happened to Jezebel. Now, this is another spoken word song, Jer, and we learn about Victor. Yeah. I think, as I said before, I would listen to the whole album of Alex doing spoken word stuff over music. I think this is a great song. So who is Victor? Well, it's a poem by a guy named W.H. Auden, who I'm not really familiar with, but this is a pretty good poem. It's a pretty simple poem, rhyme scheme-wise and things like that. Um, but I have a quote from Alex from Rockline okay. about this. He says, I wanted to have something on the record that was a little different than the other songs. I really wanted to have some variety overall on the record. I thought it'd be kind of cool to do a song, which I didn't actually play guitar on and just did all the programming. I thought also, once the music had been written, that it would be kind of fun to do a spoken word thing, sort of a pseudo-beatnik kind of reading. I opened a book that I had of Auden's collected poems to Victor, and I read it through. Although Victor the poem is very, very long, I condensed it for the song. It really caught the essence of what the record was about, dealing with the dark side of love and how it can push you to do things that are pretty horrific. So it seemed to suit the record quite well. <laughs> <laughs> and the poem is longer than than this there are um, maybe like 10 or 12 little stanzas that were removed for the song but it's it's a it's a really long poem and it uh just tells the story of this poor dude named victor man this, <laughs> this dude is just did not catch a break so do you have any other interpretation other than that of this poem and these lyrics no i think it's it's a pretty straightforward poem the poor little Victor, you know, gets some bad advice from his dad and a lot of pressure. He meets a woman and has all of these bizarre notions of what a woman should be. 
and then gets convinced that I think she's cheating on him and then he kills her. It's a, it's, <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart. No, this poem. no, it's not. And a very interesting choice to put on this album. But I love, I just love his voice and I do love the music behind it. I'm telling you, man, beat poetry, I guess is the way he's not really a beat poet, but you know, that kind of beatnik kind of spoken word thing. I'm here for it. He could have just done this for an hour and we would have been in. Yeah, definitely. I would suggest that anybody who's really interested just track down the poem and, and read it. You can read along with the music because he does such a great job reading it. Yeah. And there really isn't too much in the full poem that omitted changes the meaning of the poem at all. So about religion, about mm-hmm. family, about, um, I don't know, insanity, pressure. It's pretty interesting. So that brings us, Jared, to the final track on Victor, I Am The Spirit. I'm surprised this one was the single over the first song we played on this episode, Jer, Sending Out a Warning, because I felt like right. Sending Out a Warning was more of the singly type song. Yes. But this is super heavy, super catchy. I'm glad they released it as a single because I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Bill Bell plays wobble and slide guitar on this track. Your thoughts? Well, I don't know what wobble guitar is. I don't know what, I don't know what any guitar is. <laughs> I'm just giving you the information, Jer. You're just telling me like it is, right? Telling it like it is. You guitarists know what a wobble guitar is or a wah-wah guitar is or a Ebo guitar is. Yeah, this is an interesting song. It reminds me, you know, it was written way before I Am The Highway by Audio Slave. Mm-hmm. But it has that kind of energy to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. I am this, I am that, and they're opposites, but there's some kind of connection between them some kind of mystical ethereal connection between them right yeah i am the star-filled sky in winter i am the starry-eyed who stares you know what i mean like the spirit of this person is all of these different not really contradictions but different aspects of the same experience i am the cold gray rock of mountains i am the one who climbs those stairs i am the sea so calm yet fearsome I'm the one to seize the chance. You can imagine like being both the sea and the person on the boat on the sea. And I love the way Edwin delivers these lyrics. 
it's an unusual song. It is not something that I normally would listen to, but now that I have it and can listen to it, I listen to it. Yeah. And lyrically, it's a great song and musically, it's a great album closer. Yes. You know, it's a real rollicking tune. And I love the bridge part. The bridge part is so cool. And it goes into this silence. It just stops the song right for a couple of seconds and then builds back up into an epic Alex solo. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. It's a great, it's another great song. And I really love these lyrics. These are really, really interesting lyrics. You want to read more of them? Sure. You want me to read? Them? Sure. Go ahead. This is, this is, oh, wow. Okay. I haven't, we haven't done that in a while. Usually the lyric reader. That's okay. I am the building, tall and handsome. I am the builder, the one who cares. I am the painting on the canvas. I am the painter, the one who shares. Do you know what I mean? So this is, this is different aspects of the same idea. Right. Both the painted and the painter. Mm-hmm. Both the building and the person constructing the building. Right. And the next line, I am the trees so strong and silent. I am the earth all life to give. So I am the trees, but I'm also the earth that the trees grew from. Right. I am the sun, both lover and killer. I am the child through you. I live. That's a good thing about the sun. I'm mean, not a good thing about the sun. That's a terrible thing about the sun. <laughs> that it's a, that's a killer, but it's an interesting observation about the sun. Yes. That is it both gives life and takes it can also take life. That's so true. You don't think about that with the sun, that it's a killer. No, it is. Yeah. But so this is just such an interesting song from that perspective. And like I said, it it reminds me of I Am The Highway, even though I Am The Highway was written much later, but it definitely has that kind of feel to it. Mm -hmm. Later on, we get I Am The Wind, both warm and freezing. So you get those opposites there. I Am The Truth, not always fair. (laughs) Yep. I Am The Clouds, static yet fleeting. Right. That's great. It is great. I'm so I'm, I don't really know. I don't really have a, a firm grasp on what kind of person this song is describing, but I just love the description. Yeah. So what do you think Getty and Neil thought of this album? I could not find any quotes from Getty or Neil talking about Victor. What do you think they thought of it? Well, I'm sure they, I'm sure they liked it because it's so Alex, right? Yeah. It's so Raven. It's so Alex <laughs> that I'm sure they were just like, you know, if any's, anyone's going to make an album like, like this, it would have to be Alex. Oh, sure. And the musicianship is great. The songs are interesting. I'm sure, you know, it's, it would probably be interesting for them to see Alex left to his own devices as opposed to trying to, you know, work with them, getting to work on his own and seeing where his crazy ideas would end up if he were crazy enough to do something by himself. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, one of the articles I read, somebody asked him if, you know, he asked permission from Getty and Neil to do this. And he's like, no, I, you know, this had nothing to do with (laughs) right. Had nothing to do with them. (laughs) And he was also asked if he would do a follow-up to this record. And this was in 1998 when he was asked this question, he said, I wouldn't say soon, but I'd like to do something like that. I had a lot of fun. It was a very satisfying experience for me and rewarding because I did it all by myself. I worked very hard on it and I got to play with some other people, which was kind of fun. But it seems that it was something that I needed at that time in my life and sort of satisfied that urge that I had. I have no overwhelming desire right now to get into that kind of project. 
It's a very time-consuming thing that takes a lot out of you, and I'd like to pursue some other things. But of course, now he's got the time to pursue another album, and he's doing it with Envy of None. Right. That's more of a band situation, though. He's not yeah. doing the whole thing by himself. He's Right. So Right. It's a little different, but maybe he'll come out with another one. I'm telling you, man, he should just do a spoken word album. <laughs> I'd be down for it. For sure. He could tour, you know, clubs doing spoken word. I would love that. Indeed. So I, I've got a quote here from Lex Lehman, Jer. Lex Lehman. I know that guy. I know him too. He, uh, of course, did the bass work for the last episode and this episode and listened to Victor. And I said, Lex, what's your take? On Victor. Oh boy. Okay. And he said, I love the departure from the rush sound. Take one part nine inch nails, one part eighties Peter Gabriel, one part Joe Satriani, one part mid nineties heavy bands, and many parts of Alex's sensibility, and you get Victor. Definitely a product of the time as well. I like that Alex evolved as the culture did. Hmm. How many parts is that? How many parts are we adding to this thing? It's a uh, lot. One, two, three, four, five, six. And then many. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing about Alex, right? Right. You can't make a recipe, right? There's no, there's no mixing these things together because who knows what's in that many. And I'm so glad we did this, Jar. We were not sure if we should talk about Victor. And now I'm sure that we should have talked about Victor. Yeah, absolutely. I was hesitant. As I was also about, you know, doing Getty's solo album, because of all Rush-related things, those these two albums I probably listened to the least. But coming back to them after all these years, much like with Vapor Trails, I really like them, love them. And like I said last episode, we didn't give this much of a chance in 1996. So no, we're older and wiser now, and we've given it a chance, and we love it. Yep, kudos to alex let us know what your thoughts are contact us on twitter at rush fancast instagram you can find us at the Rushcast. email jerry give him your thoughts on victor the at gmail.com follow subscribe review all that stuff on your favorite podcast app lex thanks for the bass intro and outro and jared thanks for the quote oh you're welcome steve <laughs> here we go I am the heart, a burden to bear. I am the man for all seasons. I am the boy who never fears. I am the woman who knows all the reasons. I am the girl who sheds the tears. Thanks, Jer. See you later. <laughs>